Right, hello guys, uh, welcome to Apotheosis of a Bombast, episode number 11, as I drop my pen. Uh, my name is Ultimate Manus, I'm over in England, and with me today is Scott Copperman, all the way over in America. And how are you? I'm fine. Can you hear me, yes? Am I, I coming through fine. fine? You're coming through just fine. Good. I understand you got a cold today, so... Actually, the cold, I'll have to see what the cold does. I was told uh, after my cameo appearance on the Nerd Hurdles podcast that one of the listeners thought I had a sexy phone voice. So, perhaps now that I have a cold, it's got that extra gravelly quality to it. <laughs> but my actual response was I, either the listener must have had the bass turned way down low, so I had that Barry White kind of chef from South Park sound, or... Or that they came over to Apotheosis and listened to us, that they would hear your voice, and that would just blow everything out of the water. I would, I'd go back. Yeah, to me, to me, my voice is just common as muck. That's the only problem. I suppose to Americans, <laughs> it's it's not too bad. It's quite a, um, quite chirpy. No, it's good. To Americans, you're every British television star. Yeah, yeah get in. That's it. You know, he's Charlie. He sounds just like Charlie. He sounds like uh, Simon Cowell. It's oh, just that no. overgeneralization <laughs> that that kind of, you know, it's what ends up leading to that whole ethnocentric bias that goes on everywhere. Like, yeah. All you UK people sound the same. Yeah, not a lot of uh, Americans can tell the difference between like a Liverpool accent or a Newcastle accent or a London accent. I suppose a Scottish accent's alright, and an Irish accent's... No, I don't know. Do you get them confused, the Irish and Scottish? I, I wouldn't know, so I would say yes. yes. <laughs> I was actually watching Craig Ferguson, who does a late-night talk show here, and he was talking... It was actually a comedy stand-up routine he did, but he was talking about how his first acting job, he went in and they told him to audition for... It was actually supposed to be a, a Hispanic uh, person, and he's like, "Well, I don't, I don't have a Spanish accent," but he faked one, and it was awful, and they thought it was hilarious, and that's how he ended up being uh, the boss on the Drew Carey show. So, but even there, they had him play the boss with a British accent, and he said, "Well, I'm not British. I'm, I guess he's Scottish." Yeah. And, and he went into all the thing about uh, Sean Connery and how he. Uh, he's Scottish as well, I assume. Yes, I he is. Yeah, he's, but again, he's there he was guy. James Bond, and <laughs> it's, yeah. the accent just is excused all the time. It's and confused by Americans. Yeah, he's the only guy who's played a is that a Russian with a Scottish accent in Hunter yep. at October. That's exactly what uh, Craig Ferguson said. He said, no matter what he is, it's it's with that same voice. He doesn't even try. Yeah, that's right. I think it's just so strong on him. It, it, it's hard to disguise a very broad accent. There's a lot of actors who have uh, accents that I don't realize because on American television they they lose it. Um, there's the actor who plays Dr. House on television, um, Hugh Laurie, I think yes. his name is. Yeah, I haven't seen that though, so I don't know what he's... Uh, is he putting one on or... There's no accent at all. It's just a it's a very deep baritone kind of voice, but there's no accent at all. And then you see him get interviewed or you see him in a movie. Yeah. And you hear the thick accent and uh I, I it seems jeez. <laughs> it seems to ah! <clears throat> Excuse me. It seems to be fairly easy for people to lose their accent or or mask it. I'll give you uh, permission to leave some of these voice cracks in as you edit, because I'm sure it <laughs> make it that much harder, but try not to embarrass me too much. No, of course not, otherwise. <laughs> yeah, so you've been pimping yourself all over the place this week, obviously on Nerd Hurdles, that was a, a great episode there. Yeah. I gave a couple of phone calls in to the Dharma Dubbies podcast. Yeah. Uh, I try to actually contribute at least feedback to a lot of the podcasts I listen to, um, there's one I'm actually afraid to do, and it's kind of silly, but uh, I'm afraid if I do it, I'm going to kind of not get attacked, but kind of be belittled. The Paul Goebel podcast is, uh, that's a show I listen to, and he's a stand-up comic. Yeah. And there used to be a TV show on in America called Beat the Geeks, 
it was a game show, and they had the movie geek, they had the music geek, they had the comic book geek, and so these these three contestants would compete answering questions, and whatever the theme was, the geek asked you the question. Right. And then if you eliminated your competition, you got to pick one geek you wanted to go head to head with, and you know. So Paul Goebel was the TV geek. Uh, there's a show like that on ESPN here uh, called Stump the Schwab. He's like a sports stat guy. Same kind of thing. <laughs> so Mr. Goble has this, this show, and I, I think it's really funny. Sometimes it's it's a little bit stand-up, but a lot of times he just talks about uh, experiences in Hollywood as not a primetime person. Yeah. You know, so he'll talk about what a jerk this other actor is or um, this funny story when he was uh, – had a bit appearance on a TV show or it's just kind of interesting stuff, but like he rips on Twitter. He rips on a lot, a lot of different things and, 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 uh, he kind of invites feedback. He'll, he has, uh, these trivia questions he posts on his website and he says, yeah, send me stuff if you want to try to trick me or he has this guest who comes in and they do these mashups. Like, yeah. uh, I can't think of the, Drawn a blank. Ah, oh, I just had it in my head. I just lost it again. <laughs> but it's worth mentioning. It's like walking into a room and then forgetting what you've come in the room for. And then you walk out of the room. And, oh, no, no, there it is. And then you have to walk back in the room again. Oh, it was Jonas Brothers Grimm was what it was. So you had... He was oh. sitting there... It's like in the last episode, the guy was doing uh, all these songs by the Jonas Brothers... And he was using the names of the Jonas Brothers. And he was just kind of... You were supposed to get the sense that he was the Jonas Brothers. But then he kind of changed the songs to be Grimm's Fairy Tales. Right. And so then the mashup was it was the Jonas Brothers Grimm. And so he, he'll take something where the end of one title or, or person yeah. is the start of another. And, and he mixes them together. So Hawaii Five-0 is a TV show. And then uh, Oklahoma is a Broadway musical so he'll it'll be uh Hawaii 5 Oklahoma and he'll <laughs> so he'll be singing songs from Oklahoma but change the lyrics to like catchphrases like Bookum Dano and things like that from yeah. the Hawaii 5 OT so it's it's a it's a neat podcast and and it's about an hour and it's pretty consistent quality and it's it's just something a little different you know from like the lost stuff or the simply syndicated stuff so I'll throw it in sometimes and I'm like afraid to <laughs> to send a little fan fan email. Yeah, just in case why. you get ripped to shreds. Yeah, I don't want to be like, yeah, I listened to you on uh, on my Zune. Oh yeah, you know, these guys with Zunes, they it's too good to have an iPod and get blasted for that or yeah. something. Yeah, he's looking for any corner to actually slag anyone off. Yeah, well, because he's that kind of comic. Not as bad. Like in America, um, Don Rickles was like the king of just ripping people apart um but you know some comics have that style where they they rip on the audience or or whatever's going on at the moment and uh i don't really want to be ammunition for them <laughs> but other than that yes i've been kind of making the rounds of the talk show podcast circuit yeah you know i, I was jealous because i missed the simply syndicated 24-hour podcast appearance that you got to have with um here goes nothing but hopefully they'll put that out eventually. Yeah, I think they've already stuck that one out. The, uh... Yeah, Here Goes Nothing, yeah, they've already stuck that one out. Oh, I heard the 24-hour podcast, but I didn't hear the group discussion part. Oh, no, no, yeah, that was, a uh, uh, discussed, but, um... I think... It's on the cutting room floor somewhere? Somewhere along the line, yeah. Hopefully that it be brought up again because I think it's quite a good idea you know Clash of the Titans and get just yeah. people from their um, off breed I suppose <laughs> for a better word for it we've been trying to get something like that going with our uh, failed stream and our our sort of successful talk shoe efforts that's that's why the podcast is running late everybody you know that's we're a couple days behind because we experimented in some of those uh, group discussion forums, but I think I think we've got some of the kinks worked out, and sometime in the near future we are hoping to have kind of a live show where people can interact with us. Yeah, no, that'd be wicked. I can't wait for that. 
Yeah. So, uh, although we haven't been able to get that group podcast going, uh, we have been getting some feedback, which, as we always say, we definitely appreciate. And um, Anthony, who's Ori Stud Farm, or yeah. O-R-I Stud Farm. Yeah, he's from the uh, Scuttercast uh, podcast, where they do uh, talk about Red Dwarf. Yes. Yes, well, he was kind enough to send us a couple of emails, actually, as he caught up on some back issues of ours. He did have some feedback for us on the the time travel question, where I was so puzzled on this, if you go around the Earth, cross the dateline, don't you go back in time thing. Yeah. He says to us, if you go to sign up on any kind of forum, you always have that option of picking your time zone, whether it's uh, GMT, GMT plus one, plus two, all the way to plus 12. Or it goes in reverse, minus 1, minus 2, all the way to minus 12. So his claim is you can never be more than uh, 12 hours away from Greenwich Greenwich Mean Time, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Which, which makes sense, because that's obviously uh, 180 degrees around the Earth. I don't know, I don't buy it, though. Cause, no? No, because, well, no. If it went... <clears throat> Excuse me. If it wins, uh, <laughs> plus one, plus two, plus three, plus four, up to plus twelve, and then back down, then I could buy that. Yeah. But you actually, you know, Greenwich Mean Time is the middle. That's right. And you go twelve hours ahead, or you go twelve hours back. So from the far, let's let's say it wasn't wrapped in a circle. Let's say it was laid out flat on a piece of paper. The yep. middle of the paper is Greenwich Mean Time. Yep. To your left is twelve hours behind. Yeah. To the right, twelve hours ahead. That's yeah. a twenty-four hour difference. Yes. So the very left edge of the paper is one day behind the very right edge of the paper. Okay. And so if you wrap that paper back together into the circle, and you you're walking left to right, left to right over the line, you're you're switching days. Yes. So yes, you are still within twelve hours of Greenwich Mean Time, but if you could do one whole loop fast enough, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I'm <laughs> We're getting back into it again, aren't we? <laughs> Isn't I'll just there an international as... dateline? Yes, and that's yes. what I'm saying. I think you cross the dateline in one direction. Yeah. You're going one direction on the calendar. So I'm not convinced, Anthony. You'll have to uh, give it another shot or just tell me to <laughs> get over it. One thing we did forget to mention last time is the uh, atomic clock test. Mm. It's been scientifically proven. They... Uh, they ended up with two atomic clocks. They put one on a plane and left one uh, on the ground. I'm not sure whereabouts on the ground. I've heard different reports of the North Pole, on the equator, wherever. And then they sent the plane around the world. They brought the two clocks back together. And the one that had gone around the world was behind the one that it left behind on the planet by nanoseconds. I'm not too sure how much time was lost uh through the plane, but it's definitely slower. So obviously that is uh, Einstein's theory's theory of relativity there, playing out. So it is possible to actually lose time. It just depends on how long you're in the in the air for and in what direction you're going to be going in as well. All right. Well, that makes sense to me because that that though I think is a, a different kind of thing because that's we were hinting about that a little bit where they say if you were to you know travel to Mars and come back. You could theoretically, a different amount of time would have passed for you versus uh, on the Earth. So it is, it is possible to lose time, but yes, I, I do know what you mean about losing one whole day about going around the world. Yes. Crossing datelines and then do it again and then do it again and then do it again. Yeah, it's and I understand it's a purely artificial calendar construct because for you and for the person standing on the Earth watching you fly around on radar... The same amount of time passes, but I guess it's probably just the fact that the calendar is is a totally arbitrary thing. So for you in the in the airplane flipping the calendar back, you know that that's a meaningless time travel as opposed to the thing with the atomic clock, where that's actual physics. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's real science. But that only means you can you can travel back in time, or you not that you're traveling back in time, but you're slow in time. So. Are you ever? Can you actually ever really do it? Because the the clock that would come back would be meeting the other clock. Obviously, would be younger than uh, its brother or sister that it left behind. I think it could happen though, because I think 
you have to think of it as if um, the clock that is farthest in the future mm-hmm. is on the surface of the ocean. Yes. And the clock that ends up behind, you know, where I guess that was the one in the airplane. Yeah. It's actually, think of that in a, as a visual example. So that's slightly underwater in the ocean. So our frame of reference is the clock that didn't go back in time, the surface of the ocean. But in theory, there's some place beyond us, which would be the equivalent of going up in the air in that analogy. Yeah. So, I mean, unless the Earth was the center of the universe, then there must be some other point that's... The Earth is moving slower in time than somewhere else, and if we could get to there, see what you mean. we would yeah. move to that. Yeah. Well, I think the analogy of... In my thing about going back in time and crossing the dateline is the equivalent of that Alcor <laughs> life extension science where your atomic clock is uh, the real science. Yes. Yeah, that's so right. It's a different thing. Uh, Anthony had a comment for us where he was talking about when you referred to Eskimos. And yeah. That Eskimos aren't known as Eskimos anymore. I know. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think most other people know. So I don't think. And there's still Eskimo pies, and there's still. Uh, Eskimo kisses. If it kisses like an Eskimo and walks like an Eskimo and club seals like an Eskimo, it's probably an Eskimo. Now, see, now you did it again. <laughs> but he brought up a uh, possible subject for the future of, of things where names have changed. And he used, I guess, some UK examples dime bars and marathons. Marathon, yeah, marathon to Snickers. Bastards. See, you know, I think there was a marathon bar in the United States that was. Uh, like a cowboy was the spokesman for it, and it looked like a piece of braided rope. It was caramel and chocolate. But we have Snickers bars, which are something different. Mm-hmm. Snickers bars, like a little log <laughs> with nougat and peanuts and such. Yeah, that's right. But we had hundred thousand dollar bars, which are now called hundred grand. He mentions a dinosaur. There's the Brontosaurus and Brachiosaurus and Diplodocus, and I remember. When what he's talking about, the Diplodocus, when I was in school, like 1976, I had a dinosaur book I bought at the school book fair. Yeah. And I, it was the longest dinosaur ever discovered. And I do remember sometime around Jurassic Park when that movie came out, reading that that was not actually the right name for it, that that dinosaur had been discovered previously and it had a different name. Yeah, I'm, I remember at school, it was, uh, what would it be? What are the names? Uh, Brontosaurus... Brachiosaurus, Diplodocus. Yeah, we used to call it Diplodocus at school <laughs> instead of. That might be right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would always skip the you know little part where they tells you the phonetic pronunciation. Yeah, same here. <laughs> but. You may have noticed, but um, yeah, w- one thing that did actually wind me up over here—I I don't know if it happened over in America—we have um, salt and vinegar crisps and cheese and onion crisps, and there was a point when I was at school where they changed the color. Salt and vinegar always used to be uh, a blue packet, and cheese and onion always used to be a green packet. And for some reason, mm. Walker's, one of the big crisp manufacturers, they swapped the colours. And it just totally screwed everything up. It was, oh no, that's the wrong colour. And a lot of manufacturers still stick with blue for salt and vinegar, and green for cheese and onion. But you go to Walker's and it's totally different, it's just wrong. It is wrong. They should change that back. Now, do you catch when um, they kind of downsize? Like you'll go and you have your box of, of uh, crackers or your your. But it's not like soda here is a pretty universal size. Yeah. And you probably have a lot of your things liquid probably come in like liter or half liter or two liter kind of containers. But when you get the boxes or bags, sometimes they decide they're just going to shrink it a little bit. Yeah, every now and again, or or you go to a product that you haven't had for a long time. And it seems a hell of a lot smaller, like wagon wheels over here. They just seem mm-hmm. to shrink overnight. Uh, You've just grown up, that's yeah. all. <laughs> it's not them getting smaller, it's just my hands getting bigger. No, I, I understand. I, I can definitely picture that. Now, if you're in the store and they have <clears throat> clearly newer but different and smaller, and then maybe behind it is one of the older <laughs> original size packages but it's old I and mean, it's clearly been sitting on the shelf for <laughs> an extra three or four months are you inclined to go for the 
the bigger or the fresher? I, I'll admit, I go for the bigger sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I've never come across that. Never. Well, you would probably just have uh, <laughs> fresher, fresher stock in your store. But every once in a while, you'll, I'll go and it'll be um, like the. My daughter has uh, this affinity for spaghetti and meatballs in a can. <laughs> she, uh, it's one of the only meats she'll eat. So, like, I'll go to the store and there's the plain, which is in 16 ounce cans. Yeah. And then there's the Disney character shapes, which comes in like a 15 ounce can. Same price. But you you know you get a little bit less because you're getting the shapes. Yeah. Or uh, Kraft macaroni and cheese is another thing like that. It comes if you take the plain ordinary shape, it's like a uh, ten ounce package. But if you want the SpongeBob shapes or the Power Rangers or Pokemon shapes, the boxes are smaller. And there's definitely been times too where even I've caught the same product just you know somewhere around uh, December where they must have shifted packaging and you get you got the big one, you got the smaller one. And unless it's something skeevy looking, I'll uh, I'll take the bigger package. <laughs> Do you go through through your alphabetic spaghetti going, oh they've they've robbed all my peas and they've exchanged them for bees. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't put half as many. They put exactly the same amount in as the A's, but they have to substitute two or three for peas. And you're like, no, don't don't dumb me. I want my peas. <laughs> I want to go through and do a whole study of that. We have a cereal. That's called alphabets. Yeah. That's got uh, all. It's supposed to have all the letters of the alphabet, and I understand a lot of them break, but it does not have all the letters of the alphabet. I knew it. <laughs> and it's. Yeah, I mean, I can understand. Like, all right, a K maybe gets warped and looks a little bit like an X, yeah. or you know, but <clears throat> I I need help, and my kids are not really old enough to help me <laughs> do it. They'll eat more of them and stuff, but at some point, I'm gonna sit down and do it. And then they actually they make um, pasta. You know, dried pasta in alphabet shapes also. How cool. It, it's so tiny. But then when it gets wet in the hot water, it expands a little yeah. bit. But, you know, I, I made it for my daughter, and I was like, oh, you know, here's me being a good dad. Why don't you see what words you can make? And it was like, Abba. <laughs> Ka. That's all you have? How about how about your name? There's no K's in here, Dad. There's no J's in here. They just throw A's They're all like, in there, don't they? It's like A's, D's, C's. It's just vowels. Pretty much. No consonants at all. And I always wonder if they have that for like other countries too. Is there a Russian alphabet soup where like it's all the Russians? Oh, you imagine the Chinese one. I can't. I can't picture. It. That's almost the kind of thing. Like now, I could kind of picture because they do that uh, weird way they can kind of write on food. Yeah. Like edible ink. Have you ever had one of those cakes where it's like a photograph is the top of a cake? Yeah, my daughter had one for her birthday uh, last year. I think my impression is they kind of like, not silkscreen, but it's not actually on the cake. It's on like a little wafer or is it actually on the on the icing? I think it's on like a uh, a rice paper, which is water, either milk or watered onto the top of the cake. But it feels really okay. weird biting into your, your daughter's forehead. I understand it's probably just like food coloring, but... In the back of my head, it's ink. Could you make Arabic um, alphabet spaghetti out of just normal pasta? <laughs> just cook it, soften it, let it dry yeah. out, make your own? Probably. You could write God is great on your plate. <laughs> <laughs> but then you're not allowed to eat it. It would be sacrilege. Yeah, you can't do that. Oh, it's a sh- that's that's wonderful, son, but now you can't eat it anymore. Yes. <laughs> now, now it's going on eBay. Yeah. Look, my pasta dinner sent me a message. <laughs> There's also one more thing in his uh, email that he, he put. Um, there was a Jif Lemon Cleaner. It, uh, a couple of years ago, it changed its name to uh, Sif Lemon Cleaner. And I think that's because it went European. And the word Jif in Spanish means something quite rude. So they couldn't put it on the, the Spanish shops. I can't remember what it was, but I know it was... Something to do with male genitalia. Something mm-hmm. around there. And they couldn't really have a bottle of that sitting on Spanish shelves. It's because of the pr- pronunciation in Spain where they go, Jif. And that means, like, you're, you're, mm. you're winky or something. Do you find that there are products that become the name of 
the where the brand becomes the actual product. So like uh, in America, like a Kleenex is a brand, but pretty much all tissues are called Kleenexes. Yeah, or Kleenex, Tylenol, uh, Xerox, Hoover, that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose off the top of my head, the only ones I can really think of are them and TomTom. That's the only one I, I think of because I've got a TomTom, so I just naturally f- refer to anything like that as a TomTom. Is TomTom more uh, common than Garmin? Probably about the same. I see more commercials for Garmin here, and then I know it from. I, mean, I have one. Uh, my parents have one. It's I've seen it in like the airplanes and stuff. Yeah. But do people refer to sodas kind of generically as like I'll have a Coke, or is that not as common there? Uh, yeah, for like Coca-Cola or any happy shopper cola then yeah it'd just be coke like and like my daughter for whatever reason is uh she's locked on the word pepsi so we'll go to a restaurant and she'll be like i'll have a pepsi please and it it just throws everybody because no, nobody ever says can i I'll have a pepsi yeah. be like if someone went and said i'll have an rc cola please or i'll have a royal crown <laughs> or seagram's you know it, it's just not that uh it's much more common for someone to say i'll have a coke and then just be happy to get whatever they get yeah, no one over here ever says, can I have a Panda Pop? <laughs> that, that's like the the cheap imitation stuff of that. And now they got the Red Bull Cola, which tastes crap. It's horrible. Oh, I've never actually had Red Bull, but I just... I picture my heart racing and spitting it out. This cola hasn't... It hasn't got the, the magic ingredient which Red Bull has. And so it's just basically a, a posh cola. And... It tastes like um, ice poles. We have like uh, ice poles from down the shop. You can buy them for twenty p. Let them melt, and then drink the syrup, which is basically all, all the the cola stuff. And that's what this one pound thirty five can of Red Bull tastes like. It's <laughs> crap. It's horrible. Well, I definitely won't rush out to have it then. <laughs> no, no, don't bother with it. It's evil. I know some people swear by those, the regular Red Bulls, but oh, I do. Yeah, yeah, they work. Definitely, especially if you're feeling ill or a bit rough, you need something to get you through the day, and then just have one of them, and usually does you for a, a couple of hours. I don't know. Do you drink coffee? No, I can't stand coffee. I'm a tea drinker. No. Yeah, I don't. I don't drink coffee either. I, I'll drink tea once in a while, but I don't know. I guess caffeine-wise, I get it just from a soda. I'm one of those people who drink a a soda first thing in the morning, as opposed to. Um, a coffee or something. I can't go anywhere without a, a cup of tea. I don't drink it out of a cup of tea in a, uh, a saucepan. A saucepan? <laughs> <laughs> a, uh, oh, oh, I'm losing every single word. A saucer? That's the fella. Yeah, yeah. a cup of tea and a, a saucer and a little uh, spoon next to it with two lumps <laughs> of sugar. I'm not like that. Just mug of tea. That's it. I'm off. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. If I don't get my mug of tea in the morning, I'm grumpy for the rest of the day. Well, it's an easy enough thing to get and make, I guess. Do you make your own, or do you, like, go, like my wife will stop and get coffee on the way to work. Do you stop somewhere and get tea? No, no, no. I First thing in the morning, I come straight down, and that's the first thing I make. Mr. Tetley makes it for me. I just put it, put the hot water in there. I've had Tetley tea. Have you? Yep. And there's a perfect example, that the red being uh, caffeinated and green being decaf, and... If they were to switch that, that would cause all kinds of chaos. Oh, the whole world would go into meltdown if you swapped uh, decaffeinated around. Yeah, some people just can't have <laughs> caffeine, and some people need it desperately. If you were to mess it up, it would be a real problem. It gives people migraines as well, doesn't it? My brother-in-law, mm-hmm. I think he gets migraines. Ah, well, again, we appreciate the feedback, and we definitely welcome anything. There's a couple of people who have been really good about getting back to us, letting us know they're listening. And it does make a difference. It's it's the kind of thing that um, it's definitely fun for us to do this. But uh, when someone sits there and responds and asks a question or or gives a shout out or whatever it is, it just makes you feel like it's that much more worthwhile. Yeah, that's right. And if if you want to hear uh, Ori Stuff Farm on his uh, podcast, it's uh, scuttercast.podbean.com. Right, and I think it's uh, it's the number one red dwarf related podcast I think that's what he was saying It's. I know they've got a ton of hits yeah they've got loads and loads of hits yeah so yeah, well done guys yeah nicely done bastards <laughs> 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 well, 
Well, we'll get back to our own uh, format here. We don't have to keep uh, blowing everyone else's horn. So back when we started, we used to have our little rants like we've, we've been going through here and uh, talk a little bit about some news, some websites and stuff. And we were thinking of doing that again for you guys today. Did you have uh, anything in your end of the newspapers? Yes, I've got um, these news uh, sphericals that they bring out for these PlayStations and Xboxes and so forth. Uh, two guys have got together from Manchester University and they've built a new gadget that gives computer games a painful electric shock when they either get shot or crash a car on the computer screen. It's called the Mindwire V5 and it delivers a sharp zap through the body uh, onto five pads and you can put these pads anywhere on the body that you want. They spent four years developing this and it cost around about £100. So if you really want that, go and buy it. But how, oh, four years developing this. That's four years wasted as, as far as I'm concerned. The only thing I can think is it's probably a step towards something else. Like They can do this now and... It's probably not not a real popular item or worth the money right now, but they're a step closer to something that'll make your gaming experience even more real. Like if they can let you feel pain and stuff now, yeah, eventually they'll be able to let you feel the wind or the uh, hot and cold or other things to make it a more uh, realistic simulation. This is probably a step in the process. Yeah, but I think there's a, a boundary where you have to. Cr- you're starting to cross there. Obviously, you you want to interact, sorry, interact with these games to the max. But you also got to realise that it's just a game. There's there's no need to get electric shocks. And what happens if a little little kid or picks it up and plays with it, a five year old, and he's going to get a belt off of it compared to a, a thirty year old playing a game who who just gets a mild tingle. Mm-hmm. Now. Uh, they, they said that they're going to be using these uh, little pads over the body. So now you've got to strap your whole body up to your console. That doesn't seem right. No. That's just far too much effort just to play a epoxy computer game. It'll take you 20 minutes to get into the suit or getting all these pads on. And for hardcore gamers or for the people that want to blast away 10 minutes, it's not going to work. But then again, you are going to get people go out and play... Uh, buy it just for the gimmick because I, right. I don't agree with I know, I know they're a big thing but I'm not a big fan of these rock band things mm-hmm. I, I'd rather go out and buy a, instead of spending a hundred quid on a uh, rock band or guitar hero I'd rather go out and spend a hundred quid on a cheap guitar and amp set and give it to my kid that way and then learn a, a real real instrument or a cheap real cheap drum kit or Something along them lines. Yeah, but I think that at least a video game, it's really just timing. I mean, if you play guitar poorly or <laughs> like a violin poorly or something like that, it's it just sounds awful. But at least in in those video games, you you're more likely to be successful yeah. with those video games. There's people who do those well who could never be a real musician. Yeah, I'm probably speaking from a, a guitar player's. Uh, perspective though because mm. I, I just can't it's not that I can't see the point in the games I just I'd rather go out and buy you, you can buy a, a cheap guitar for 30 quid go into your local store and say look can I have your cheapest acoustic guitar and they'll probably give you one for 30 40 quid which is a mm-hmm. cost of one of these games and then you know, buy buy your favourite album's sheet music in tab and then learn that way and then that that's that's the best way to learn guitar. That's how I learned guitar. Yeah, that's actually my kids are learning piano, and where I learned to play piano with very traditional. This is a whole note. This is a half note. This is a quarter note. We stick on two three keys, so all we can play is "Mary Had a Little Lamb" and mm. stuff like that. The guy who is teaching my kids, it's kind of like pick a song you like, and he simplifies it enough that they can at least play the song they like in, in the way that uh, these video games, I guess, are are playing. I mean, that's not... What you do in the video game is not what you would really do to play on stage, but that simple motion, at least, is is close in the same way that, you know, 
when my son plays uh, Come Sail Away on the piano, it it sounds close. Yeah. And for that to be like the first or second song he ever learns to play, you know, it definitely holds his interest. Yeah. So you're right. If you if you can learn that way, if you have someone who can teach you in a way that you're not just sitting there like, okay, do a G and another G, another G. Now, you know, we don't know enough to play any interesting songs for the first month or two. Normally starting young is the best way of actually getting into an instrument, though. I, I, I think I I was 17 when I first started playing guitar, though. But mm. I was interested in it enough to actually sit down and learn it. Not, you know... I, I can play to a, a fairly good standard. You know, I'm not, I'm no Jimmy Page or anything like that, but mm-hmm. I, I can play. Let's put it like that. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that the game, there's something definitely missing in that, um, in that experience. Now, do any of your controllers for your video games have that kind of rumble feature, where they vibrate when you? Do, yeah. Like you'll. To me, that seems so silly. It. I could see if if you were playing like a bumper car kind of game, and when you got bumped, you felt it. Or when we play hockey on the Wii, it vibrates when someone steals the puck from you. Yeah. I I would if it would vibrate every time you got checked, that would make more sense. So you're actually feeling the impact or something. It, it's somewhat useful because sometimes in the chaos of the screen, it's a way for you to know that you've just lost control. You're on you. The other team has stolen the puck or something, but yeah. That seems like one of those things where someone said, hey, guess what we can do? We can actually put a battery in here and make this vibrate every time. <laughs> kind of like, you know, hey, we can make the people feel the shocks when they get hurt or get hit in the game. Yeah. I suppose each to their own, really, isn't it? Yeah. I, I don't really see value in that, though. It doesn't it doesn't enhance my gaming experience. No, it doesn't excite me at all. That story led me to poking around on other websites, and I, I came across... Um, uh, last year, they had uh, the 20 most useless uh, or pointless gadgets ever. <laughs> and I'll, I'll just read, read them out to you. Uh, number 20, the back scratcher. Uh, 19, towel warmer. 18, yogurt. Uh, electric tin opener, which I've got. <laughs> Came in at 17. Uh, egg slicer. A facial tanner. A mini disc player was at 14. A tease made, which my nan used to have was at 13 <laughs> a face steamer a trouser press electric carving knife which I've never used I'd love to use one I've used one of those have you? are they any good? yeah it's kind of like just a saw like electric saw <laughs> kind of rips through I think it, it, a good sharp knife is better I think could I use a jigsaw to do the same job? that's, kinda, that's the same kind of thing yeah just a horizontal jigsaw I might use that instead <laughs> uh, number 9 electric fluff remover I don't know how that would work. Oh, is that the lint? That's a um, like the stuff on your clothes when it it kind of. I would call it lint. Is that what you're thinking of for fluff? Yeah, yeah. It'd be like uh, cat hair or dog hair or. Yeah, I've seen people just use like an electric razor to kind of. Or sellotape. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. Electric razor, really? Like a yeah. Remington razor. Yeah, because that's <clears throat> that's actually what the uh, electric lint removers look like that I've seen. So you give your clothes a shave. Yeah, basically. And the idea, I guess, is that it's cutting those, you know, just like a whisker. It's like just cutting oh, the, the hair off, fuzz off. Cool. I might get one now. <laughs> uh, number eight, an egg boiler. God knows how that would work. Probably put an egg in it and boil it. I'd imagine. I've had the egg slicer. I always thought those were kind of cool. They're like the little, uh, like a mouse trap or almost like a guillotine kind of thing. Goes yeah. down and slices your eggs. But I don't think I've eaten hard-boiled eggs since I was about four. No, I've seen people in sandwich shops use them, and they look wicked. They they just have all these hard-boiled eggs, all all the um, shell broken off, and they pop yeah. it in that. And they go, there you go. It's wicked. Well, that makes it for a sandwich. That's probably perfect. You put it right on the sandwich. And yeah. At least flat. Doesn't <laughs> doesn't roll off. Number seven on the uh, most pointless gadgets, hair crimpers. I'm surprised at that, actually. Number six, a fondue set. Uh, we have a fondue set. Oh, do you? Have you used it? Yeah, we use it a lot, actually. Do you? It's our Christmas Eve dinner, and um, 
and like my kids actually like it. We'll have we'll do like a melted chocolate, or we'll do um, <laughs> we'll do regular fondue like in an oil. But um, my daughter just basically takes chicken nuggets and dips them in. But <laughs> cool. There's actually restaurants here that specialize in that. You go to like a fondue restaurant. Yeah. Cook on your table for way too much money. Number five, uh, a foot spa. I've, I'm not going to say I've used one. I've never used one. I've seen them. I've seen them as um, well. I've seen them give as, given as presents. Yeah. But I've never seen them used. <laughs> Number four, which really peed me off, Soda Stream. They rock. What is that? What is a Soda Stream? Uh, mid eighties, cast your mind back then. You put um, mm-hmm. put water into a bottle up a, up to a certain line. Pop it into the Soda Stream, lock it down, press a button, and you carbonate your water, and then you put your flavors in after. Soda streams were wicked. Yeah, that doesn't seem like that's a, that big a deal. That shouldn't be number two or three on the list. Right, top three. You ready? Yeah. Electric candles. They're absolutely pointless. Yeah, just decorative. I'm going to go straight to number one, because I think number two is more worthless than number one. Ele- uh, okay. Electric nail files came in at number one. <laughs> and these can be sold up to 205 quid. But uh, apparently women prefer the normal £2 ones, just to buff up their nails. Yeah. But the one that came in at number two were laser laser guided scissors. (laughs) (laughs) And you have a laser pointer on the actual scissors, and you're supposed to cut down the line. And it will always cut down the line, but if your hand moves, the laser moves, and the blades move, but you'll always cut down that line. Yeah. You make a straight zigzag yeah. as you move your hand. <laughs> Jeez. Cut round a circle with the laser-guided uh, scissors. Uh, it actually brings to mind this other link I have here. Let me see if I can call it up. It's from Wired Magazine, November 2008. And it's that uh, University of Oxford researchers came up with a list of the ten most annoying phrases in the English language. Uh, the ten items are... I don't know if they're in any particular order. But these are chosen because they're considered overused, tiresome phrases that should fade from use or misuse. They tend to be redundant and not add anything to the language. So one of them is at the end of the day. Oh, I've just written that down. Just in case it wasn't on there. (laughs) Fairly unique... I personally, which I do that a lot, at this moment in time, with all due respect, absolutely, it's a nightmare, shouldn't of, it's not rocket science, and 24-7. wonder if you can make a whole sentence with them. <laughs> Some are examples of bad grammar, that would be shouldn't of, yep. or redundant, like I personally or regular old overused terms, like 24-7. But at the end of the day, is gratingly popular and totally meaningless. It's used by politicians, athletes, pundits, and management types. Let's see. Some other things to consider that didn't make the list. Bromance. What's that? Uh, the term bromance. Bromance? Never heard of that. Yeah. Is that... It's, it's real popular here. It's like when t- like two guy friends. Right, okay. Two best friends. Um, I just threw up in my mouth a little. Going green. Chillaxing. Yeah. Hit me up. No offense, but... I swear to God. <laughs> uh, and then an abundancy of mispronounced phrases, such as irregardless, which should be regardless. Yeah. Aggravate, which should be irritate. Anyways or towards, which should be anyway or toward. Yep. <laughs> People who say for all intensive purposes instead of for all intense and purposes. purposes. Yeah. Uh, supposed to, as opposed to supposed <laughs> to. Uh, could have instead of could have. 
and literally instead of figuratively. And then they also put on there, um, I can, has, and using T-E-H instead of the. So definitely things that I do in there. There's a lot of them I don't, though. I can take pride in that. I've done a lot of them. I think everyone has it at one point at a time. Yeah. Well, by definition, they're overused, so people do it. Yeah. I catch myself saying uh, specifically instead of specifically <laughs> every now and again, and it bugs the hell out of me. Touch base. That really bugs me. When people say, oh, yes, well, I'm just phoning you up to touch base on this and this and this, and shut up. Yeah, it probably has some sort of real meaning. You know, like, well, we're just looking to touch base, like, when you're playing tag or something, but it's so diluted and taken out of context, it does sound funny. Carbon footprint is getting on my tits as well. It's just so overused on everything now. Well, I have uh, one other little bit of news, and this will actually segue into our links. Um... We were talking last show about some unusual records, and I promised to divulge the website of that, where those records were coming from. You had know, the fastest uh, shotgun, the longest gargling of tequila, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the colleges I went to is Rutgers University here in New Jersey, and uh, it's strange timing. You would think it was an April Fool's Day thing, but it actually coincides with the 21st birthday of Where's Waldo? And what they did, a record-setting dress-up-like-where's-Waldo-and-hang-out-in-one-place event. It was a fundraising event. Um, The admission fee was a children's book for charity or $5. And you were asked to come in blue jeans, a red and white striped shirt, a hat, and glasses (laughs) to look like Waldo. And they scheduled this for April 2nd which was yesterday as we're recording. And uh, they sent out these formal invitations. And as an alumnus of the school, I I received an invitation if I wanted to come and be a part of it. I didn't. It's actually, (laughs) I don't uh, live close enough to go and do that. But today on the internet, I have breaking real-time news that Rutgers students set the Where's Waldo record. Sweet. So 1,052 people dressed in red and white Caps, red and white shirts and caps turned down on the Rutgers campus in a bid to stage the largest gathering of people dressed as Where's Waldo? <laughs> According to the Guinness Book of World Records, the previous record was 577 people, oh and so they God. nearly doubled it. Participants brought over 3,186 books to donate. The event began, uh, planning for the event began in September of last year, and it obviously came to fruition. That's such a cool idea. That is neat, but that's not a record. But it's a re- I mean, it's a record, I guess, if that's the most ever, but that's not. I think you'll find that it is a record. <laughs> I guess so. There's one place to go to find out, and that's uh, our link for this week's episode. And it's called the Universal Record Database, which you can find at http colon backslash backslash urdb.org. Universal Record Database, which is a searchable archive of wonderful records like The Longest Bruise, The Tallest Beer Drinker, The Highest Wedgie. Let's see. Well, there actually is a record for the most people dressed up like Dr. Seuss characters. Deepest sag of your boxers uh, below your waistline. <laughs> Without uh, showing anything. I get, yeah. We had the fastest consumption of a 24-ounce bottle of breakfast syrup. Fastest consumption of six cupcakes. Um, here, the largest collection of people in Dr. Seuss costumes. Let's check out that record, since I alluded to it. As a nod to the famed children's author, Dr. Seuss, ten people, ten, paraded around the Burning Man Festival wearing costumes based on his characters. A new world record. That's a world record. <laughs> it's a world record till someone says more than ten. I'm sure when they filmed uh, The Cat in the Hat, there was probably more than ten people on set. Yeah. (laughs) Or Horton Hears a Who, all the Whos. Well, yeah. Well, if they have Horton Hears a Who on ice... That's right. Then they'd they'd kill it. The the longest artificial Vulcan ears, as in Mr. Spock, is six inches. Where's that measured (laughs) from? I'll bet that's measured from the lobe. Uh, Yes, from the lobe to the tip. And it's from an old guy... Because apparently, well, 
your ears uh, don't stop growing, do they? Yeah, it's it looks like silly putty almost. Yeah. Just. <laughs> but it's you go to the website, you can see the records, and then it, you can click to say you're going to beat the record and submit your proof. There's all kinds of great things. Um, most bead necklaces worn at one time. That record is held by Greg. Greg. <laughs> <laughs> what on Greg? Twelve. Uh, he has eleven bead necklaces around his neck in that's, a variety of bright colors. That's rubbish. Go to Mardi Gras. No one's claiming to have broken the record. The fastest time to light eighteen cigarettes standing within one foot of an electric fan. <laughs> by an adult. You have to be over sixteen to play that game. Actually, this is a little more impressive. It's 18 cigarettes and lit in 3 minutes and 43.56 seconds. But it is done with all the cigarettes in his mouth at one time. That's a little more impressive. How how big is the um the longest bruise? The longest bruise, right? Cuz I had a huge bruise once. My uh my brother-in-law, <clears throat> he he hooked up a remote control car to uh, a granny scooter and we used to be able to drive it around his back garden with, with one of us sitting on it and I I ended up on it one day but the handlebars were loose and he was driving me backwards and forwards I was doing the steering with the handlebars and they just <laughs> popped out and he shot it forward and I ended up shooting up in the air with handlebars still in my hands <laughs> landed on my elbow and the bruise went all the way from my elbow up to my armpit hmm. so what would you estimate how many uh, centimetres would you say well I've, I've got very big muscles my <laughs> my biceps and triceps are are they bigger than 20 inches around that would be a record they they are like um, bamboo sticks really <laughs> ah. <laughs> <laughs> well Let's see if you have a sense of what truly constitutes a record. So, like, how long would you say your bruise was? Do you think it's record-worthy? Let's go for... What shall I do? In inches or centimeters? Either one. I can handle both. Um, I'm going to go for eight inches. Well, Kevin, no last name given, has a bruise on the back of his thigh... That's 10.4 inches long, or about 25, 26 centimeters. And there's a photograph of this very attractive bruise with a tape measure drawn. Really? But before you give him his due, that record has been broken. Just last August, Susie Brown endured tremendous pain, but managed to triumph by setting a new record for the world's longest bruise, 14 and one-eighth inches. Blimey. Or approximately 38 centimeters. The record was set on August 30th, 2008 at the Burning Man Festival again. And there we see. I don't know what she did to get the injury. Would it be a bruise from a single impact or a collection of impacts to make said bruise that long? Well, this bruise looks like a single event. Looks, It's from like the top of the kneecap down midway through the shin. Been hit by a car, basically. Probably. It's a stupid record. I can't even... To read them just makes me sit there and go like, uh, yeah, most eyes lost sight in while at Burning Man. What? I don't understand what that is. Surely the the most you could lose your sight in is two. Well, the, you could still beat the record then because I think the record is one. <laughs> Joe W. permanently lost sight in one eye while attending the Burning Man Festival. Joe Wallace. You can imagine him on the floor rolling around going, ah, oh, my eye, and his mate going, no, it's a new world record, it's a new world record. And he jumped up going, yes! Uh, the longest croquet shot is 11 feet, 5 inches. So these aren't even, most balls juggled at once. I can do three. Well, five is the record, so you're halfway there. <laughs> That's not the record. <laughs> Most pencils sharpened with one pencil sharpener in one minute. Using lightning quick wrists. Oh, it's one of those little tiny hand pencil sharpeners. Not even electric. You know, the ones that come free in a little uh, school kit? Yeah, good wrist action needed. She successfully sharpened 
five completely unsharpened pencils in one minute, and to confirm the pencils were sufficiently sharp, she popped a balloon with each one. Let's see. All right, well, so that's the website that I teased. I'm sure it was worth the wait. There was one other thing I um, wanted to throw out there, not necessarily related, and kind of invite the listeners to give us some feedback, or maybe you've heard of this. I saw on... Who did I hear it from? I don't know. One of my other internet connections uh, gave me a website called Guzex. www.guzex. G-O-O-Z-E-X dot com. And what it is is basically a uh, video game swap where they have a list of games people would like and a list of games that people are willing to give up. They've assigned a value to the games. You know, it's a chance for you to to take those old PlayStation games or Nintendo games and uh, send them around. It's $1 to trade, plus you pay your own shipping back and forth. Cool. And I guess they have some sort of uh, guarantee on the quality and all stuff. And hey, I was intrigued by it. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was intrigued by it because you know my kids have video games that we bought for them when they were young, and they're naturally just kind of outgrowing them. They're getting more sophisticated. The games work fine. Um, and when you go to the, there's some stores here called EB Games and GameStop where you can trade in your games, and they they give you a fraction of <laughs> the value of the game. For example, if it was like a popular game will be about $40 brand new. Yeah. So if you buy it, bring it home, open it, bring it back to them, they'll give you maybe $10 for it. Yeah. Maybe 15 if you're lucky. And then they're going to turn around and resell it used for about $20, $30. So it's a huge business, isn't it? Yeah. That's where a lot and of the, um, like HMV and Virgin they're doing it now and they make a hell of a lot of money out of that. Yeah, and I know there's uh, a company here called Gamefly which is kind of like Netflix where you can sub- you subscribe and you can say I, I want to have two games a month and they'll send you one and you send it back and get a new one from your wish list but I kind of stayed away from that because I-, I feel like in the long run that still ends up being pretty pricey it's um, about the cost of buying a couple games a year but if this service actually works out that you can can trade things back and forth um, you know, you might have a game that just doesn't interest you anymore, but it's still a good game. And I actually, I like a lot of the older stuff. Um, and I don't have a problem using the used games. You know, most of the time they're well taken care of and all. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of inviting the community to check out www.gozex.com. Or if you're familiar with it, let us know. Because it, uh, Seems like a, a pretty good setup, and probably even the kind of thing where, if you get in on it at the right time, like it looks like right now, it has enough of a base that you're not going to go and, wow, there's three whole games that are looking to be traded. It's yeah, looking around, they do have some popular games, and uh, looks like there could definitely be some value to it, and yet it's not over exploited, where. Um, People on eBay are like have already hit up hit this up and got all the good games off and are now selling them at double the value. Yeah, and you're stuck with all the the dregs. Yeah, I think it's still got some quality there. Still seems to be untapped. Good stuff. So yeah, I'm not normally one for uh, promoting something before I'm familiar with it, but early glimpses this this seems to have the uh, good to be true <laughs> value to it. So, <laughs> not too good to be true, just good to be true. Where should we go for our moral for today? Oh, alright. I think the moral of the story should be don't buy an electric fluff remover. Just use tape. Just use tape. Just use tape. Okay, okay. I'll use that one then. Okay, right. Here endeth episode 11 then. So, thank you for listening, guys, and we'll talk to you in about a week. Alright then. I'll see you later then. Alright, bye.
Thank you.